GalaxyCon Live is the place for you to hear about fandom from the celebrities who bring geek culture to life. Welcome, friends and fans, to another episode of GalaxyCon Live, where we are bringing the convention experience directly to you. We apologize for the delay due to technical issues beyond our control, but we are here and ready to go back to Sunnydale by way of Quahog through the labs of Dr. Hunmoiter while swimming with laser-headed sharks and more with today's incredibly talented guest. So without further ado, let's grab our stupid monkeys and bring them out. Our guest is an actor, writer, producer, and director whose body of work includes Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the Austin Powers films, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Greg the Bunny, Star Wars the Bad Batch, and of course, Robot Chicken. Today joins us to discuss this fantastic career and so much more. Please welcome Seth Green. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hey, Seth, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well in my corner of the world. So glad to have you here today. So our team is going through right now, pulling out the questions for you. In the meantime, uh, whenever I have a solo guest, I just like to throw this out. Uh, what, uh, what pulled you into acting? I knew I wanted to act when I was really, really young. I had uh, watched a ton of TV and... Um, understood that the uh, commercials were something that people did as a job, not because they love cleaning their kitchen. And uh, I love telling stories and um, I think I'm a good mimic. So that was it. I really knew that it was what I wanted to do. And then I pursued it from a really young age. Right. Uh, well, you certainly did. You hit the ground running uh, again, tremendous body of work. And I'm sure questions will be coming about Buffy and Austin Powers. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about the uh, evolution of Robot Chicken. Sure. So what, uh, uh, what, how did it, how did it begin for you? And I mean, I, uh, I mean, I know we may be going back to the days of toy fair and stuff like that, but I'd yeah. love to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, robot chicken really started, we didn't intend it to be a show. I had been doing a ton of uh, press appearances and just got kind of bored of hearing myself talk and had seen other, um, artists come on with a short film or some other idea that they'd prepared in advance. And I thought that was a really cool idea. So, I reached out to my buddy, Matt Senreich, who was the editorial director for all of Wizard, and asked him if he had any experience in making stop motion. And we both figured out together how to produce a short. And while we were developing all of the, uh, what was going to be our thing, which was just gonna be like a two minute short, uh, Sony had begun developing linear content um, and they wanted to make a portal online that was like a precursor to YouTube, uh, but there wasn't broadband uh, internet at the time. So anything you try to download would go over a phone line. And so they produced, Sony actually paid for us to make about 45 minutes of content for what was then the dial-up web. Mm. And I made a deal with our lawyer after the fact to be able to uh, represent that content and take it out to sell to another place. And for a while, we thought we were going to sell it to Comedy Central. Uh, but then September 11th happened and no one was interested in making comedy for a while. So we spent about a year and a half shopping it to other places um, until the Adult Swim became a thing and purchased all of the rerun episodes of Family Guy to air on their late night block. And that gave me a meeting with uh, the, the head of the Adult Swim who greenlit our show as Robot Chicken. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't on purpose. And, then, <laughs> and now we've got 11 seasons of a show. Yeah. <laughs> I got going strong. Uh, and again, there's a, and. At the, at the early stages of it, it was old school stop motion, correct? I mean, it was, there was really not, the computer technology hasn't really been there to lend and assist. It was tech, 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 correct? Well, stop motion is always the same method of uh, filming a sequence frame by frame and then making minor adjustments to whatever the uh, object is within that frame. 
So yeah. we've always shot it the same way. What's improved is the technology that lets the animator have a greater visibility. Like when we first started Robot Chicken, the playback device between frames was brand new. So yeah. prior to that, you know, for um, Clash of the Titans or even the stuff they did for Indiana Jones or, or Star Wars, the stop motion was so rudimentary that they had to uh, take measuring tape between the camera and the object to make sure that it wasn't like chattering all over as it moved. Yeah. And now we've got all kinds of playback devices that make that easier. That's probably a little more in the grains than anybody cares to hear, but. Well, uh, no, it, it's, it's, it, it, it's part of the part of the part of the fun, a little bit of the magic. And uh, it's gotten a lot easier over the years, but it's still the same process. Yeah. yeah it's still, it's, it's still, it's still, the, it's still the dolls. It's still whatever the, the great thing about stop motion is it's any object, right? So yeah. you could take your phone and animate it into a character by use of stop motion. So it's, yeah. I think, I think people's associations with the, the, technique like if you're a runner there's a dozen different ways that you can run but it's all running right so when people say claymation that is a type of stop motion but it's not the totality of stop motion yeah absolutely agree uh <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's no it is we're, 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 and i know yeah i know we're getting a little into the technical theory let's let's go back to the comedy pitch what's um sure. what <sighs> Just what was it? What was it like in those early days of like kind of feeling out the the, the show and the tone? Um, it was just like, hey, let's try that. Was it just throwing everything against the wall and, and seeing what would stick, or was there? Well, when we when we first started the show, it was uh, uh, two thousand four, um, and when we when we actually first started making the webisodes, it was uh, end of ninety nine two thousand. Yeah, and so there hadn't been any um, re reflective nostalgic. Uh, uh, ironic observation of all the stuff that made us who we are. Right. And so Robot Chicken, we were just taking all of the pop culture, uh, water cooler conversations that we'd had over the years and making sketches out of them. Right. Um, and then over the years, you sort of exhaust all of your points of reference from the 80s, and you have to hire writers that are more familiar with the, uh, the comedy of the 90s and, and so on. So by the time we get to an eighth or ninth season, the the writers that we're employing are much younger. They're they're close. They're about the same age that we were when we started the show. There you go. Yeah, Bring it, keep it, keep keeping it hip, as the kids would say. Yeah, but it just evolved <laughs> like that because we when we first started, you have to understand, the, the show was on at midnight on Sunday, and so uh, the chances of people watching it were so slim. Let alone the network having any real concern about what it was we were airing. So it was very silly, very weird, um, and just about. Uh, toys and cartoons and commercials that we thought were so strange to have been sold to us as real stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think, I think you guys came in and I think you heralded the zeitgeist of the, of the classic adult swim years uh, as they're exemplified and looked back on now, which to me, I just think, Oh yeah, that's like three, four years. No, it was longer than that. And, uh, <laughs> and, one, and, and one more thing I'll go back to because I can't believe it was as long as it was. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, uh, your night in the squared circle at WWE. Yeah. Yeah, I've gotten to do a, a couple of spots with WWE. I always love it. I'm a big fan of that brand and especially the kind of circus they throw. Um, and any opportunities I've gotten to uh, get involved in the narrative, I jump at it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I I was ringside uh, the night you uh, hosted Orlando show. Oh, you were? That was, was a great night, man. <laughs> that was, bro. That was, and I, I and I, I say this with all sincerity. That match at the end is a classic textbook of of good wrestling, of telling the story, 
of really hitting the beats and everybody hitting the marks and everybody hitting the pauses and everything on else. That was a great match. And the fact that you also got to be a tag team with uh, with Triple H during his one of his rare face periods. And Cena. <laughs> and it's, Cena. The, it's me and Cena and Triple H. It's so silly. But yeah. I've never felt cooler in my life. <laughs> ah, it, it was fun, man. You you completely accorded yourself well. It was a great night. And and again, uh, bro, I get just, I just say so much more about your career and everything else. But I don't want to get your audience questions. But I just want to say you've had a tremendous body of work. And... I'm a fan and I, I really appreciate everything you've done and how you've done it. Thanks. No problem, man. No problem. So, well, I like it. I think that's the easiest thing is I, this is actually what I want to do with my life. <laughs> it makes it, makes it easier to enjoy when it, when it works. It's, 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 it's nice. It's nice when it works like that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, I think let's go ahead and hit our questions. Let's see our first one. And this comes from Ash who wants to know, what was it like working on the Austin Powers set? Well, especially the first movie, um, it was really loose. Um, the, the script was so well written and uh, Jay Roach, the director, was really sharp and also um, generous. So if anybody had an idea, uh, it would get listened to. And um, working with Mike, for me, especially on that first movie, was really just incredible because I already loved him. I was such a fan of his from SNL wayne's world and just what a talented performer he was and i love the fact that he was making this movie which is a risk it was a big risk um that no one was sure would work and the first day that i came in uh to get my makeup on he was already in the chair having his head shaved and just the fact that he had shaved his head meant something to me it was like a level of commitment that let me know all right well everybody is here to to do this work yeah. um and then by the time we got to the second one there was a little bit of success so everyone was just loose felt good everybody was vibing joking um it was a ton of fun god those movies were a blast to make uh it, you could just tell the energy is effective and you're right about being a risk i was like okay we've seen spice boost before but he's a mod <laughs> there's so many things about that that could have <laughs> gone wrong it's I, it's I, like you just never know the, the smallest tonal thing can make a movie just not work we're really lucky that that actually clicked <laughs> But it wasn't a hit when it first came out, you know. It, um, it, was, it yes. didn't perform in the theaters, and it wasn't until it was on DVD that it actually made money enough to support a sequel. Yeah, absolutely. And we're so we're so glad that happened. And Ash, great question to start us off with. Thank you. What we have next from Christy. What was your most memorable moment in the recording booth? Oh man, hey. uh, I mean, my, my most my most amazing moments were when I was young. I've gotten to have some incredible ones as I've gotten older, but. When I was a little kid and first started doing voiceover, I got to do stuff with people like Dick Cavett and Jack Guilford. And, you know, those guys are experts and I was a child and they were incredibly generous with showing me like how you act professionally in the booth and how you can have fun with the other performers. Um, so that was a really significant series of experiences. But then making Robot Chicken, we've gotten to have incredible people come in to record for us from, you know, Don Knotts to Roddy Piper. And it, it has been one of the most profoundly um, humbling experiences in my life to get to direct all of these people who have been my heroes for years and years. Is there a specific episode or a compilation that you send people? Say, We'd love to have you on the show. If you're not familiar with, watch this. I don't know. Probably. I think we've got a, a clip reel at this point. Okay. But the, yeah, the, the, the upside is we've had such a volume of different levels of famous people be on the show from like George R.R. R. Martin to James Wong. 
And so the list is, is longer than SNL's guest list just because of the volume of guests that we've had versus theirs. Like SNL has been on 40 some years and every week they have a new guest, but we'll make 20 episodes with like six guest stars in each episode. And so the sheer volume of names is outrageous. And so that, that becomes pretty convincing. Um, yeah. especially when you've got, um, guys like Sam Elliott who got nominated for an Emmy for their role on Robot Chicken. Yeah. That's so silly, right? That's silly. That's objectively silly. Especially when you look at his body of work and all the tremendous stuff that he's done. It's, it's like... Yeah, Sam said that was, the, that was the first time he'd ever been nominated for TV. And I was like, Really? He was great on our show. It just, uh, it made me laugh. How could it not? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Christy, thank you so much. Great question. Uh, what's next? From Randy. If you were stuck on an island and could only bring three comics, mm. which would they be? Hmm, I'll expand this into titles, not necessarily like individual issues. So, Oh, really? Uh, you know, you could say Dark Phoenix Saga if you wanted to go like that. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I love the the original Black Cat run of uh, Spectacular Spider-Man. That's um, a good one. And uh, I still, I still, man, I love the Electra Assassin book, um, Frank Miller's book. Um, uh, oh, yeah, you know, and, and some uh, Fantastic Four. I always love the Fantastic Four. What era? Uh, the early, like Annihilus era, like the Franklin Richards era. All right. All right. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's that's an un, that's an underrated era. So it's fine. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll see, man. They've just uh, I'm I am very optimistic for the new MCU phase um, that we'll see a good version of the Fantastic Four. We have, we have never seen a version of the Fantastic Four on film that is really representative of the value of those characters in comics. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm very inclined to agree, and I have fingers crossed as well. And Randy, thank you. Great question. What do we have next? From Kevin, what role are you most proud of? I hope this doesn't sound trite to say, but I'm actually pr proud of the fact that I've kept being the, the person that I am. Um, and so I know it's not really like a role, but in, in, in the face of all of the things that I have uh, lived through or endured or the opportunities that I've had to turn into an asshole, I have, I have steadfastly not turned into an asshole. And that's, that's I think, I'm most proud of. <laughs> you did a pretty good character yourself as a, as an asshole and entourage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the fun, right? Yeah, like when, yeah. you're, when, you're, when you've debatably established a nice guy uh, personality in the public, to send that up in in film is hilarious. Uh, Jackson Pollock painting, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, thank you. Fun question. What do we have next? Uh, from Becky, what was your favorite show growing up? Ooh, I loved a ton of stuff. I watched all kinds of things. I mean, cartoons and whatnot were were probably the stuff I was most addicted to from like G.I. Joe and Transformers to Spider-Man and his amazing friends and all that. But I also watched a ton of uh, sitcoms, uh, everything from Different Strokes and Punky Brewster to All in the Family and even weird uh, dramatic stuff like Quincy or St. Uh, uh, Elsewhere. I just love entertainment. Um, in general. And so I was pretty voracious in my consumption of it. Well, uh, 
we're, we're the same age and and yeah i always i tell the kids nowadays you gotta understand three channels so yeah. you would watch just whatever through watch a lot of stuff by default yeah that's well that's how uh, shows like mash had a hundred million people watching the finale because mm -hmm. there was literally nothing else to do yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Becky, thank you. Fun question. Uh, what is next? Hey, what from Scotty didn't know. <laughs> what do you think is the funniest robot chicken sketch? And you can go by your own measure. What what you what tickled you personally? Yeah, the funniest. Uh, I don't know. I start to lose track, to tell you the truth, because we produced thousands and thousands of sketches. So my recall for them isn't as, as uh, concise as it was the first five seasons. There's a really dark sketch <laughs> uh, about, um, you know how, you, how uh, Donald Duck got left with those nephews and nobody yeah. ever talks about his sister? Yeah. <laughs> like he's Uncle Donald, but those kids are his sister's kids. Yeah. And nobody ever talks about that sister. So somebody uh, wrote a sketch about what happened to that sister. <laughs> It's really dark, guys, but it's very funny. Uh, uh, Nathan Fillion and uh, Mila Kunis are both in it, and I, it's incredible performances from both of them. <laughs> I, I, I think that sketch might have spurred the new version of DuckTales to actually bring Della back and be like, oh, no, no, this is what happened to her. This is what happened. She definitely yeah. wasn't murdered yeah. in a prostitution flop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scott... <laughs> And Scotty, now you know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Isn't that uh, Euro Trip? The Scotty doesn't yeah. know? Yeah. Nice poll, man. Uh, uh, from Andre, if or when you become a full-time pro wrestler, what will your ring name be? Well, luckily, I've already established enough of a brand name in Seth Green that the way, like, uh, John Cena, um, you know, just uses their name. I think I would just use my name. Otherwise, it might be confusing. And I don't know that I'd ever be pro, but I'll guest star anytime they want. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a hard road life. Ah, oh, come on, man! Triple threat cage match, do it, do it. No, oh, I'll be I'll be climbing the ladder for the money in the bank. Don't worry about that. Uh, I'm just saying that the traveling show to show gets to wears on you. That yeah yeah that's that's the number one cause of the burnout. But Andre, thank you. Great question. What do we have next? From Lemon Squeeze. Who's your favorite actor, director, or creator to collaborate with? Um, well, I love working with Brackenmeyer. Uh, we have such a good um, chemistry and rapport. He makes me laugh a lot. So I, I love any time we get to work together. I, I try and make sure we can work together in most of the stuff that I do. <laughs> Um, but you know, I've gotten to work with a ton of people and it's all been awesome. I, I rarely get the opportunity to work more than once with most people. Um, but I love it. Yeah. There you go. Lemon squeeze. Thank you. Fun question. What do we have next from Dante? Who wants to know, <laughs> do you have a favorite line as Chris Griffin? Yeah, I, I do just cause it's, it's so silly. There was an episode of uh, family guy. It was a uh, viewer mail. And uh, it turned into um, pitches for Family Guy as an alternate type of show. And in one section of it, the Griffins got superpowers. <laughs> and Chris's first instinct when he got superpowers was to go to school and um, 
to see with another kid. He's like, uh, oh, hey, um, hey, man, you remember in like second grade when you called me Chris Gristle? And the kid's like, ah, yeah, I think so. And then Chris unleashes like a flame from his hands and says, well, burn for it. <laughs> and I don't know why, just Chris being that petty about <laughs> something as small as like making fun of his name, <laughs> setting a kid on fire with his superpowers. It's so excessive and silly. I don't know. That makes me laugh every time. I, uh, the one that always sticks with me is uh, from from the first Star Wars. I, I thought I thought parsec was a was a uh, a unit of measurement, not time. Yeah, Dante. Fun question. Thank you, brother. What do we have next? From Dre, are there any roles from earlier in your career that you miss or would like to revisit? Oh, that's interesting. I uh, I wouldn't say that I miss it, um, but there's definitely some characters that if there was more of a story to tell, I'd be happy to revisit it. It's usually that, right? It's like, is there a story to tell? Because if you're lucky, people want to spend time with your character again. Mm -hmm but you want the adventure that you share together to be worthwhile and not just an excuse to see them. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely fair. Dre, thank you. Fun one. What do we have next? Here's one from Andre. Could have been the other Andre. All right. You've gotten this one before. What is your favorite episode of Buffy? Uh, you know, it's an episode I'm not even in. It's that Hush episode. That's uh, I'd never seen anything that innovative and cool and, stylistic and scary downright scary so i love that episode yeah yeah that's 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 the watermark uh, andre thank you very good one what do we have next from alia which one of your characters would you say you most relate to and why uh <laughs> oh you know probably the nerd from robot chicken because he's um has very limited control over his body or his speech. And he's often more obnoxious than funny. And uh, doesn't, doesn't always know when to shut up or uh, is also very excitable and passionate about things that a lot of people don't care about. So I feel a lot of kinship with that character. Uh, fair, fair. Thank you, Elia. Fun question. And like a roll that next one from Dylan. If you could do a Family Guy special like you did with Star Wars, what movie would you choose? Huh. That's interesting. Uh, you know, it's probably not as big a um, series as Star Wars, but something like Lost Boys with the Family Guy characters would be funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, who'd be the Frog Brothers? Hmm. Um. Uh, Chris and, or Brian and Stewie, probably. Yeah. Peter would yeah. be the guy with the saxophone on the beach. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can, I can, I can see this and I'm laughing. All right. All Meg right. would probably be Jason Patrick and, uh, Lois might be Kiefer Sutherland. I, I'd probably be Alex Winter. Yeah. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, Dylan. <laughs> Fun one. <laughs> I'm liking it. Ah, oh, cool. What do we have next? Here's one from Alex. Have you ever wanted to start your own talk show? No. I don't love uh, hosting. 
to be honest. I love um, participating, but I'm, I'm not a big fan of hosting. I can do it. Um, I just don't, uh, it's not the thing that I enjoy. I know a lot of people who are really great at it, great MCs, um, uh, really good at, at chatting. Like a guy like Conan, so good at, at the talk show because it never felt like just a talk show. But me, I like um, a different kind of performance uh, more often. Absolutely fair. There you go, Alex. There you go. What do we have next? From Zeb. What do you think Scotty Evil will be up to right now? I don't know. I mean, I, I hope for him that he's like enjoying a nice view of the French Alps in a soaking tub with some uh, like soft, uh, what are the, what's the word? The, 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 the soothing animals, <laughs> right? Like the <laughs> oh, therapy animals, therapy pets. I think Scott yeah. evil would be surrounded by therapy pets. <laughs> reading, reading a book called you are enough. Um, <laughs> Got a menagerie of alpacas and these, and they all have the little thing on it. Therapy animal, do not touch. I'm working. He's become he's become huge on TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, wish for that kid to be happy. He's not, you know, he's a, he's he's surrounded by crazy incompetence and doesn't have a lot of opportunity for um, uh, paternal affection, right? So I think he's I think he's struggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll get there, or we'll finally get we'll get we'll get we'll get a part four, and then we'll see what he's been up to. But so, Seb, stay tuned. Thank you. Great question. What is next from Anne? What was it like taking over another voiceover actor's role, Leo from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Did you feel any extra pressure? Hmm. Um, you know, with something like the Turtles, where those characters have existed since I was a kid, um, and so many different people have gotten to play the voices. For me, it was less pressurized than like an honor to get to step into that role um, yeah. and put my own spin on it. I, I didn't feel um, I didn't feel pressurized as much as I was just so excited. I knew the other guys playing the turtles. I, I knew that the director for years. Um, I loved what they were doing with the brand. Uh, so it, for me, it was just really, really exciting to get to do that. Yeah, right on. And it shows. It's a great version. And thank you so much. Great question. What is next from Annette? Any favorite moments from the set of Can't Hardly Wait? Um, yeah, I love making that movie. Everybody knew each other. That's the crazy part. Like all of the actors in it were just actors in the same scene. We were all about the same age and knew each other for years. And so getting to film something mm -hmm. on a soundstage where they reconstructed an entire house and then you basically spend three months throwing a party around this set. So it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's also some of the hardest I've ever worked just because I wanted that character to be so specific. Um, but every day on that set was fun. It also got really hot on the set, so people fell asleep in between shots all the time. And um, <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I had taken a Polaroid from um, Continuity, and uh, we got like rolls and rolls of duct tape, and uh, I got a bunch of that caution tape. And then anytime somebody fell asleep on set, we would quietly tape them to their chair or to wherever it was that they were sleeping. <laughs> and then inevitably they'd wake up and there's like 40 people standing around them. And then they would try to stand up and they're taped to the chair. <laughs> so that was very funny. That was very, very funny. Uh, that, that, that gag will never get old. Nope. And the fact that you used a Polaroid, another, another concept the youngins don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, that was pre uh, cameras on cell phones, for sure. Indeed. Uh, Annette, thank you. That was a fun one. What do we have next? From Lynn, what would be your dream project? Um, I don't know that I've got any specific pro project that I uh, that I'd want to talk about. Uh, but I'm but I'm working on a lot of stuff. Um, and and my favorite thing to do is make the stuff that I that I care about. Um, because then I then I feel like I'm the right person to make it. W with most stuff, there's there's an arrogance to even saying I'm the right person to make it. But if I um, having seen the way stuff gets made. Um, and seeing the way that stuff gets made well, I know that one of the core tenets of a successful project is passion. Um, and so I try not to work on things that I'm not passionate about because I don't feel like I can do the fullest version of my job unless I really care about the thing that we're making. Um, so my dream project is always something that I care deeply about. Right on. Very well done. Lynn, thank you. Very good question. What is next? And so from Sherry wants to know, what is one piece of advice that you could give to an aspiring actor? Um, well, the best advice I can give you is don't quit. Um, but also don't expect anything. You know, it is, it is such a one in a million chance to get to do this job. And it's even more of a one in a million chance to get any role that would mean something to you. And if you get multiple of them, it's, it's kind of next to impossible. Um, and so, so don't be surprised if you get more rejection than acceptance. But what I have found works for me is I just put in the work. It is never not with, it's never without a ton of work. And especially as an actor, that work is not just being good in a scene. It's being good at all of the other stuff. It's being able to audition. It's being able to have a meeting. It's not having any expectation. It's putting in 100% of the work yourself without getting upset that everyone else isn't putting in 100% of the work. Yeah. But the real best advice is don't quit. Don't quit. Because you'll never make it if you quit. It's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. <clears throat> and you never know. You know, you hear the story over and over again of the people living in their car when they got the big audition that gave them the, the sea change of their career. So it's, you, you don't know when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. Yeah. You don't know which... Um, casting associate you meet on their worst day, uh, uh, their first worst day on their desk, who's going to be the head of the studio in 10 years. So just like yeah. work hard and be nice to people. That's the best advice I can give you. Yeah. And um, that's very good one at that. So Sherry, thank you. And may you break all your legs. <laughs> <laughs> and what we have next from Snarky Sand, what TV show or movie is your guilty pleasure? You know, I don't watch a lot of stuff that I'm not uh, interested in uh, or that I wouldn't admit to. Um, I like watching old game shows, though, like reruns of game shows when when the entire culture of celebrity was different and uh, the entire mechanics of what was entertainment was a little bit different. Um, it's just a very interesting um, peek into the past. And I find it very entertaining. Uh, during COVID, I went down a, a match game. Um... Yes. <laughs> yeah. What like, else do you need to say, man? That show yeah. was insane. Gene <laughs> Rayburn was Gene Rayburn was way funnier than I remembered him. So I'll say it at that. So it's the truth. Uh, uh, Snarky Sand, thank you. Good one. 
Uh, what do we have next? From Kara, how do you stay so creative? I try not to create a lot of hindrance to my creativity. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. You just um, constantly look for inspiration, you know? Don't let yourself get so beat up that you want to stop having fun. Yeah, there you go. Goes back to doing what you want to do. Yeah, so, which is not always easy. No, no, it's not. But you're doing it, and and we're all we're all very glad that you are. And thank Kara, you. thank you so much for that question. Very good one. And here's one with Chuck who wants to know: Will you stay with Family Guy until the end, or do you have a timetable set? Hmm. Uh, no. Yeah, of course. I I mean, it's insane that the show's been on this many seasons we just started recording our 20th season that doesn't wow that doesn't happen often so when you get a job that lasts over 20 years it's not really in your best interest to quit especially if it's still good like i love family guy i can't even believe that's a real job i have so i don't see any reason to to quit <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think you're taking the Quentin Tarantino route of, uh, well, I'm going to do this about a season. That, yeah, so I don't. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Tarantino's a little different, right? He's, he's a filmmaker who said he's only going to make 10 features. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's his plan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily uh, equatable to, um, but I've got no interest in quitting Family Guy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, Let's it's, see how long that show can run. There you go, Chuck. So keep keep watching, keep supporting, and uh, we'll we'll all be there with you. Yeah, as long as you're watching it, Chuck, we'll probably keep making it. There you go. So all right, and Eddie wants to know what is your favorite type of prank um, besides evolving this. I like pranks, um, and I like I, I don't mind when people play pranks on me too if it's funny. If it's funny, um, if it's not funny, then I don't love it. But um, I love scaring people. Mm, really. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're, um, if I hear you coming and you don't see me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hide somewhere and scare you. That's that's like one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> like Sarah, if people are coming into our house, I can see them come through the front gate, and then I'll just like get into a position so when they come through the front door, I'm like, bleh. I was like, ah, oh, god. <laughs> is, is there a particularly memorable uh, scare prank you you can recall? This wasn't mine, but one of the best things that ever happened. My buddy, um, he's a filmmaker, Michael Doherty. He, uh, he has a life-size uh, Reagan from The Exorcist doll. And uh, <laughs> um, my sister-in-law and her friend were uh, staying in our guest house for a couple of weeks. And um, Mike had hidden the doll behind the main door to the guest house. So when they opened the door, the doll was there. In the moonlight. Um, oh, wow. And they screamed so bad. They jumped out of their shoes. I've never seen anything like it. They all came running back, screaming, crying. They swore the thing was animatronic. They swore that it had moved towards them. It's not. It's a stationary statue. Yeah. And when we went to, like, go check it out, their shoes were all in a pile <laughs> by the door. They had <laughs> literally jumped out of their shoes. A living cartoon gag. It was amazing. Wow. Scooby-Doo in the air. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there you go, Eddie. That's one for the books. All right. <laughs> oh, what's next? And here's one from Janet. Who wants to know, oh, what do you do to unwind after a day of production? 
It kind of depends. It really depends. I mean, I, I like to just sit still if I can. That's that's usually the trick, right? Is just yeah. take a moment of stillness. Um, uh, it just depends on what the day is or what tomorrow is going to bring. You know, usually if I if I got to work again tomorrow, I'll just be studying my my material for the next day. Yeah, there you go. So, thank you, Janet. Good one. What do we have next from Sammy? And they want to know: Do you have a favorite memory from Rat Race? Uh, making that movie was just a ton of fun in every direction. Um, I got to actually drive that monster truck, so that was probably that's probably up there. Oh, I had wow. to I had to gear it. I had to hit a mark on it. <laughs> You know, it's a monster truck, so you don't get, yeah. a, don't get too often an opportunity to drive one. I had to really restrain myself not to drive over the entire crew and all the cameras. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh fun. Cool. Thank you, Sammy. That was a good one. Uh, what do we have next from Jim? What's to know? What fandoms inspired you when you were younger to become an actor? I don't know that it was a, a specific fandom as much as I r realized that being an actor was a job that I could pursue. Um, and I, I had never felt more inclined towards any other vocation um, in my brief life. Yeah. But I knew with a certainty that I wanted to be an actor. I got to, um, uh, uh, my mom worked at a couple of summer camps and I got to do stuff in the drama programs um, as a six year old. And that gave me a clarity of like, oh, this is what I do. The first yeah. time I was on stage or took a curtain call, I was like, oh, I get it. This is what I do for a living. Yeah. All right, right on. There you go, Jim. Thank you. Good one. Right, what do we have next? From Jeff, who wants to know, out of all the villains, who is your favorite? Hmm. Well, that's tough, isn't it? There's a lot of great villains. Um. Well, you could go either either way on this. Like, I love a guy like Skeletor, who is so ostensibly silly, and yet no less. Um, he'll he'll. Uh, it's not like he won't kill you. You know, he's yeah. he's got a skull for a face, and he's jacked like a super like a superhero. And even though he's very silly, he could still kill you. Um, or or there's a you go a different route like. Um, like the bad guys in Prometheus, you know what I mean? What are the bad guys? The bad guys are just precursors to humans, so they're not all that bad. I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm walking off on a bad tangent here. The truth is I don't have a favorite villain. Let's just say Maleficent. <laughs> all right, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Although I, I went to you on Skeletor. We've, we've had Alan Oppenheimer here several times, and yeah, he's just he, he's a delight, and, and the verb he brings to, brought to that character but I always love the villains that are that are arguably silly, right? Like we're seeing all the the Starro stuff coming up from Suicide Squad. You'll never find a sillier villain than Starro, and yet he'll totally kill you. <laughs> I've 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 got I've got the Starro set uh, from San Diego downstairs on my display case, and I've got yeah. I randomly put the little star yeah I randomly put the little Starros in characters. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dude, you okay? <laughs> First day with uh, a new chair, guys. Uh, green, green down, green down. Oh my goodness! All right, all right, all right. Good, good. Well, here's the here's the real lesson: is don't stand up on the chair. All right. Okay. Well. Uh, well, I hope James. Are hope all Jay my cords? Are all of my cords still plugged in? <laughs> you're good. You're good. We can hear you. <laughs> 
And uh, all right, uh, the fine people at DC owe you a uh, owe you a small gratuity for this uh, Suicide Squad plug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also interested. I'm I'm really psyched. I'm psyched to see Starro, and I'm psyched to see Cena as Peacemaker. And uh, I have um, I've, I've, yeah, it's gonna be great. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're about to say, and I'll know that you. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right. That's uh, that's Jeff. Thank you. Great question. We'll move on. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I always meant to ask you. When did you get the uh, the? the... Well, I got that in nine. Okay, but I'd wanted it since '82. You know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, GI Joe Twenty One. That that that. But they keep, our collective uh, minds. The only thing that bothers me is that the symbol itself is meant to be a secret. And so when they put it like on a motorcycle or on somebody's front door, it feels very dumb to me. G.I. Joe mythology is weak. Uh, yeah, we could talk about that. We're like, yeah, there's, there's the, yeah, there's, Sci- the com- there's, the com- there's the comic book one and then there's the everything else. And But even um, the animated and the comic book tie together better than anything else in the movies they've made. The movies they've made seem uh, relatively separate from the idea, except in some visual comparisons. Yeah, yeah. But I am psyched for uh, that new uh, Six Inch Snake Eyes that's coming out with Timber set. Ooh. I know, I pre-ordered it. (laughs) So did I. (laughs) (laughs) All right, back to the question. We have time for one more, maybe two more questions. Let's go out some really fun ones. What do we have from Cody? What's currently on your music playlist? Oh, I've been listening to a, a strange variety of stuff. Um, uh, I've been listening to The Roots. Uh, I, you know, I play that Spider-Man, the Spider-Verse soundtrack all the time. And, uh, oh, what did we just get? That new, um, oh, the, that new Billie Eilish. I like that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listen to a variety of stuff though. I like all yeah. kinds of music and the, the, I, I, I tend to listen to music when I'm, when I'm out or when I'm driving. So it's kind of whatever's, whatever's happening. Right on. There you go. Cody. Thank you. Fun question. What do we have next? Here's one from, from hot boy, Tony. What advice do you have for someone wanting to be as cool as Seth green? Well, thanks. First of all, um, because I've never been, <laughs> particularly cool. Um, uh, you know, the the realest coolness seems to come from your own uh, self-comfort and self-confidence. And that, that always gets mistook as cool. So if you can get right with yourself, you know, um, and be in a place where you can walk into situations certain that you are you and you're just going to interact with other people, but they're not going to change you except for the better. Right. That that's a that's like getting your own calm, your own certainty, your own self-comfort. That's that's, I think, the origins of anyone being able to be cool. Absolutely. Absolutely fair. And you can tune in tomorrow. Our guest will be Henry Winkler, the Fonz himself, if you want more cool advice. Nobody cool. <laughs> uh, hot boy, Tony. Thank you. Great question. And GalaxyCon viewers, this has been my time with Seth Green. Seth has been an absolute blast. My pleasure.